Good morning and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. Today we enjoy our children's Christmas program here at Grace. But before that, our meditation through this series on Advent will focus on the true joy delivered by Jesus that's found in the gospel. Our challenge will be an honest examination of where we've set our sights for determining a life evidenced with the characteristics of joy. Thanks for joining us as we look briefly at two short passages recounting the hearer's response to the message of joy. While we were enjoying the beautiful weather of the Caribbean, my wife had to come home um, to a bunch of snow. How terrible is that? Um, one of the, uh, do you remember the first snowfall that we had? Remember the power outages? Remember that? Yeah, so that, that wet, heavy snow. Um, anybody with a snow plow at that time was uh, making sod, right? You know what I mean? Turning over furrows of the grass and the lawn. So um, when, my, when my wife got home, uh, she looked at that and saw the snow and with dread saw the impossible task of having to move all that snow herself until she got a phone call. And behold... Somebody said they would come and shovel the snow for her. Boy, what a, what a great blessing that was, right? And here, here's the picture. You, you look outside the window, and it's a miracle. The driveway is, is all taken care of. Uh, have you ever had a moment like that in your life where you felt just encumbered or burdened by a difficult task or a trial that was in front of you, only to find out, guess what, the bill's been paid? Or that someone has come and has taken care of the burden for you and has lifted it off of your shoulders? Uh, If you have ever had that kind of experience, you will know the subject for which we are devoting our attention to this morning, and that's joy. Uh, Joy is, by definition, a product of where you set your sights. Uh, Whether you have joy or whether you don't have joy is not bound necessarily within your circumstances, for joy transcends your circumstances. Sometimes in our world today, we use the word interchangeably for happiness, but it's not the same as happiness. Your your happiness will ebb and will flow according to your circumstances, but joy will transcend them. And yet the reason why people don't have joy is because they've set their sights like, like, a, like a deer hunter looking through the scope on the things that are seen rather than the things that are unseen. For true joy will transcend your circumstances. As a principle, that is the measure of how we understand what joy is. Asking ourselves this question, what have you set your sights on? Now, as Christians, we have more opportunity than anyone on earth to have joy. But why do most Christians look like this? And I submit to you, it's because they're beholding the wrong thing. They're looking at the wrong thing. They have not set their sights where they ought to set their sights. So as we here look at a very short meditation, I'm actually just really just offering you uh, what will amount to a devotion this morning as we prepare to really experience the joy of watching our children reenact and share with us the story of Jesus' birth. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles. Two passages we're going to look at, Luke chapter 2 and then Matthew 28. And in both of these, we will see two different groups of people being given a message from which joy results. We're going to look at the characteristics around those circumstances. Uh, One group uh, is men and one group is women. And we're going to see how these two groups together form for us principles 
by which you and I can find joy. If we can pay attention to what happened in their circumstances and build into our lives that same pattern of living and thinking and obeying, I believe you too can have a joy that transcends the circumstances and the ebbs and the flows of our um, everyday lives. Luke chapter 2, page 1459 uh, in the Pew Bibles. And uh, we're we're just going to read... I, honestly, I just have one verse for you. I have it up on the screen too. I, I hope you're reading it in, the, in your Bible. Verse 10 says this. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Um, we, we know this story very well, and, and we're going to cover it just a little bit further. But if you wouldn't mind, hold your spot here in Luke and turn back to the Gospel of Matthew, right to the very end. Matthew chapter 28. Page 1422 in the Pew Bibles. Matthew chapter 28 and in verse 8. Again, I have it up here on the screen as well. This is right after Jesus' resurrection, his appearance to the women there who came to the tomb. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. So in these two circumstances, we see a message that has been handed. For the first one, it's to the men out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And, um, I mean, you know how guys get when they, you know, go to camp or what it might be. You can imagine what these guys might have been doing out in the fields, talking about the Packer-Bears game coming up probably. uh, You you know, but their, their, their conversation is interrupted. For the angel appears to them and gives them this message. Now, every single time that we have in Scripture an angel appearing, we have the same words from that angel's mouth. Don't be afraid. I have a message to give to you. And then again, you have this story. Not at the beginning of Jesus' birth, not at the announcement of the coming of the king, but now at the consummation of his resurrection. We have another message given, and the women are there gathered, knowing that the body in preparation was not fully completed because of Passover. They come to take care of Jesus' body, but as they enter again into the garden area, what they find is that the stone is rolled away, and the body is missing, and again, an angel appears to them. The account that we read here in Matthew 28 uh, comes after Jesus' words himself, speaking to the women and giving them a message to go and to spread. Um, I believe there's, a, there's three things that I want to pull out from these two passages that we can learn. Uh, if we are going to be the kind of people who embrace a joy that's not bound by our circumstances, and we can help to set our perspective correctly. The first is this, true joy overcomes fear. I want us to, for the sake of our study, hold these two as opposites. Joy and fear, and how these two do not mix with one another. Where you find an abundance of one, you will find the absence of the other. True joy overcomes fear. Of all my three points, this is the one I have to spend the most amount of time on because I don't want us to to get this wrong. What this doesn't mean is that if you're not joyful, then you must be a slave to fear. That's That's not what this means. What it means is that when you do encounter true joy, fear disappears. 
I want to make sure you don't get that in the reverse. Let me try to say it again because it's, it's a subtle change, but it's significant. If you, if you don't experience the kind of joy for which I'm speaking of and I'm preaching of and that we see here uh, laid out in the text, what I'm not saying is, yeah, it's because you're afraid all the time. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying instead is that whatever fears may show up will be overcome when true joy shows up. Did everybody get the difference? I, I hope you can see me afterwards if that's not clear because i I got to work on that sometimes. But here's where I want you to see it in the text. The first one here, what did the angel say? Don't be afraid. I bring you a message of joy. And so what can fear do in the presence of true joy? Fear runs away and escapes. It can't stand in the presence of true joy. And again, in the second one, you will see that the women there, as they are still leaving the tomb, the text tells us they were afraid, yet what? They're still filled with joy. Joy here is overcoming their fear. However, joy is many times still stolen by fear. And it's a kind of fear that is the overwhelming kind. A kind of fear that makes you feel like you're trapped. It's really hard to find joy when you experience that sort of fear. I look a little microcosm of what that looks like every time I tell my son to go shovel the driveway. A little bit of joy disappears. You ever get that with your kids? The, oh, do you ever get one of those? Like, where did joy go? Just poof, gone, right? Um, but what if, the, what if the job was already done? What if, what if he walked outside and saw that it was, it was already done? You'd see fear is gone again. Fear cannot stand where true joy shows up, even though that's circumstance-based. I think you can get the picture with it. But what if there was some task that you had to do? Not, not as hard as shoveling a driveway. I mean, even, even if I told you you had to shovel all the streets in Dickinson County. I mean, given enough time, you could what? Yeah, given enough time in Advil, you could do it, right? <laughs> but what about a task that you couldn't do? Here's one of the main problems with the world today. There are people who, when they conceive of God and think of God, they miss the message of the gospel. Because they think of God in the same way that we would treat one another. We treat each other in a way that says, you need to do better if you want to be treated better. And so God has been treated by humans as the kind of king of the hill to which we're all trying to climb this mountain to reach God. And so you got to be better and you got to do better. And, you know, I even hear from people that um, if they're having a bad week or if they know God wasn't too pleased with them, do they want to come to church on Sunday? No, they don't even want to come to church. The, the one place where you can hear the message again of finding hope and renewal and forgiveness you're kept because of that fear, because you know the impossibility of pleasing the king of the mountain. In fact, all other religions have um, the perspective that we're all, you maybe have heard this, we're all serving really one God, whether you're Muslim or whether you're Jewish or whether you are uh, a Buddhist or a Hindu, you're, you're just born somewhere different on the base of the mountain. And really, all religions are just an attempt to make your way to God. And so, all religions at the end of the day end in the same place. And you as the Christian should come and say, you know what? I have good news for you. There is a difference between all religions and Christianity. You're right. All religions are a matter of putting on your climbing gear and trying harder to please 
the king of the mountain. And they all lead to the same place, but it's not to God. For our God, the story that we hold dear, the story that you're going to hear in just a moment, tells of a God at the top of the mountain who came down to the base to meet you. To meet you right where you are. In fact, there's a word for this. Condescend is the word. Con meaning together with and descend meaning descend. That Jesus, God in flesh, condescended to come into our midst. You heard it saying about a minute ago by Jerry and Maury. Our God, Emmanuel. Emmanuel means what? God with us. This is the difference between all religions and Christianity. All striving of mankind's attempts to please the king of the hill is nothing more than an attempt to climb this insurmountable mountain. But what if the message came to you today that you don't have to climb? You don't have to climb. The job is done. The job is completed. Jesus' words on the cross. Do you remember three words? It is It's done. In Jesus, it is finished. It is done. Do you know what you can have? Starts with a J. Three letters. You can have true joy because there is no shovel for you to pick up to please the king. There, there is no climbing gear for you to hook on to make God proud of you. He loves you. He has condescended to come into our midst to become like one of us. And this is where fear cannot live because true joy will overcome fear. When all the other religions are saying, climb more, do more, work harder. Christ says, the job is done. And now you can have joy. That's that's what I mean by this. True joy overcomes fear. And that's what we saw in the encounter with the angels to the men and the women. Number two is this. True joy creates a response. True joy creates a response. You'll see this again in the text as well. I've got to fast forward here in Luke 2. I'm going to go to verse 15. You'll, You'll find this in your... Uh, if you're following along in Luke, but here's what it says. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. What was their response? Yeah, wasn't sitting and get another cup of hot chocolate. Wasn't talking about your taxes or that guy. You know what? It was, did you hear the angel? We got to go. We got to see this thing because you know what true joy does? Makes you respond. You cannot sit still when you encounter true joy. You see the same thing here with the women. They're at the tomb. Jesus says, go and tell my brothers. And what do they do? Do they stop at Starbucks on the way? (laughs) They run. I, I want you to put yourself in that moment. The sun is just coming up. That crisp morning air is there. Your heart is being 100 miles a minute. And you have just seen the risen Lord rise from the dead. He's just commissioned you to go and tell the good news. And so what do your feet do? They run. In, fact, in fact, you can't stop running because you have just encountered true joy. I, this is humbling for me because sometimes I feel like, I don't really respond like I should. Maybe that's just me. Maybe you're all good on that. And you're always responding as you should. But let me just preach to myself for a moment. Sometimes I feel like I don't respond the way that I should when I see a need. Or when I 
have the opportunity to give the good news of the gospel. And I fear the reason is because I've set my sights for joy on something other than true joy. That is the idolatry of the world you live in, of the country you live in, of the state that you live in, of the city that you live in. You will have opportunities, especially around Christmas time, to replace the sight of true joy for something temporary, something vain, something that is idolatrous to Christmas, especially this time of year. And when you and I do that, do you know what you do? You sit down, you stop, you close your mouth, and you don't respond as we should because we've missed true joy. We need to remind ourselves of this. This is what I feel like. I need to remind ourselves of this. I see this happen in my children's lives. They do this implicitly, and we need to take a lesson from that. Maybe your kids are like this as well. The other day, my mom showed up to the house, and a little bit unannounced, the kids were sitting there on the couch, but as soon as Mimi walked in the door, what did the kids do? They saw pure, true joy. And what did they do? Turn the volume up on Doc McStuffins. They ran to the door. They ran to give her a hug. Because true joy creates a response in our lives. And if your feet aren't ready to run, my challenge to you is, where are you looking for joy? That, that's humbling to me. And I I hope that message is challenging to you as well. Number three is this. True joy cannot be contained. Can't be contained. It's like one of those little babies that just wants to crawl. You you ever pick up a baby that wants to crawl because you want to hold it because they're so cute and you want to hold it? What's the baby want to (laughs) do? I mean, you got to put that thing down because it has joy. It wants to move. It wants to crawl. That's what true joy does. Can't be contained. Wants to move, ready to go. Can't hold it in. You'll see it two places again in our text. Luke 2.10. The story was, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all people. All people. You're not going to be able to keep this to yourself. You're not going to be able to lock this away. You're going to want to tell everybody. The same is true for the women, right? They run to what? To share. They they can't just keep... Did you ever have a little kid do that to you? I have a secret. They just, they're like a kids that go, go to the bathroom. I just got to tell you what my secret is, right? Uh, this is what it's like at Christmas time, uh, especially for my daughter. She, she, lo- she loves to make little Christmas presents. And when she makes Christmas presents, guess when you're going to get the present? <laughs> that moment you're going to get it, right? I made a present for you. Oh, good. Is it Christmas present? Yeah. Do you want it now? You just gotta show. Because it's joy. It's just pure joy. Church, this is what it is ought to be for us. This is what this time of year ought to be about. It ought to be about true joy. That means, and this is my whole message around this, is that if you don't find these evidence in your life, these characteristics, if they seem a little bit missing, my challenge is lift your sights off of the temporary. And maybe maybe it's other, maybe it's deeper than that. It could even be fear. Um, Here's some points of application. I want you to ask yourself this question. Where is fear seeking to steal your joy? Because the two are opposites. And and I I would hope everybody kind of give an overview in your life and say, yeah, where is it in my life that I'm just still timid or afraid? And that fear is like a master and I'm its slave and it's controlling me and it's keeping me. It's keeping me from church. It's keeping me from smiling like I should. It's keeping me from sharing the good news because I'm a 
afraid of something. And I think many times, you know what it is? I think it's an awareness of your own sin, if I can be just real honest with you. I think for most people, that's, that's what the devil loves to do. You know what you did. You know God's not pleased with you. Hold on a minute. What, what, what kind of God do you think this is? A mountain climbing type of God? This is the message I got to tell you. Fear says do. Joy says done. Fear cannot stand where you find true joy. And so maybe if for you that's this awareness of indwelling sin, or maybe it's those prison of unforgiveness in your life because you're afraid of what that might mean, just remember that the, the Lord of the universe has come and has done the impossible that you and I can never do. He's done it for you, and it's done. Secondly, I want you to ask yourself this question. What is your response to the joy found in the gospel? Turning the volume up. Is that what it is? I mean, what, 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 is, what is your response? Do you have a response? If you, if you can think through the opposite of these two stories, the shepherds being controlled by fear, would they have gone to see the child? They would have stayed in the fields. Or how about the women at the tomb? If they did not find true joy, if fear controlled them, they wouldn't have responded. And so I want to give this to you as well. Fear says, you better wait. You're not ready yet. You've not been trained. You're going to screw it up. That's what fear says. Fear says, wait. Joy says, run, run. Joy's going to see you walking and say, run, don't walk. Last question I have for you. Who are you telling? It's a tough one. It's a tough one because I know immediately, if you're honest, there's someone comes to your mind. And that's not easy sometimes. The shepherds had to tell. The women had to tell. It was good news for all people. And so when fear says, you need to be quiet, joy says, tell everybody. Now this, I see a lot of posts on Facebook. This you can put on Facebook, all right? <laughs> Post this online. Fear says do. Joy says, help me out. Fear says wait. Joy says, fear says quiet. But joy says, tell everyone. I even made it rhyme for you. When you find true joy, don't take your sights off of it. Don't move from it. And I believe that it's all a matter of what you and I are beholding. This Christmas season, I want you to know, you're not just beholding a baby in a manger. You're beholding the God that condescended himself to come down, take your sin and mine upon himself, pay the penalty that brings you into restoration with the God who loves you. The God-man who died in your place. Set your sights there. For that's where you you will find true joy. Amen?